Hello, Bondapart listeners, it's Rebecca. Would you like to see a little film I made about emerald spectacles or read why Beatrice would like to find some bally snakeskin shoes? Maybe you're interested in hearing us talk about things we've seen or thought or heard, like our discussion of a recent event about early 20th century Parisian jewellery. Or perhaps you'd just like to ask us a whole bunch of questions about fashion. The way to access more brilliant Bondapart content and find out the answers to all of the above is to subscribe to support our podcast on Patreon. Help us to fund the creation of our weekly episodes and benefit from a whole range of exciting extras. So listen to the podcast, follow us on Instagram, and please go to patreon.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Thank you. Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm well. I'm I'm wrapped up quite warm, so good. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I'm good. I had my nails done this week. They're now Scaparelli pink. Oh, that sounds wonderful. What's that? Yes, I'm enjoying it a lot. How does this work? Did you know beforehand you were going to go for that? Or did you look at the bottles? Or how does it work? You get a funny thing with like clear, like a metal circle and then attached like a key ring and then attached to a like... I don't know, about 15 centimeter long clear sticks and each one has got a false nail in the color of the nail varnish on it. So it's like this wheel you look at. Oh, that sounds amazing. It I'd is love fun. to have one like that. We At the museum, I see, I'm, I'm sure I told you about this numerous times, we have this a similar kind of thing which has pieces of different colored perspex. It's Ooh, so nice. nice. It's so good. And um but I think it's very, very expensive to get, so I um uh, mm. and I'm not quite sure what I'd do with it, but still well, just look at it. Yeah, just I play guess. with it. Yeah. So you have to look go at on that. And mm-hmm. like because the first time I went, I knew I wanted glitter. This time I knew I wanted not glitter. And I thought I probably wanted a shade of orange or a shade of pink. So I focused on those two color sections. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, well, shocking pink. La yeah. la. Yeah. And are you enjoying um, them? Oh, I'm loving them. Oh, good. <laughs> it's very good fun. Yeah. Yes. And my other news bit is by mistake, I already have my Christmas tree. <laughs> How can that happen? How can you have well, a because... Christmas tree by mistake? Well, actually, this mm-hmm. is how. So we thought we'd have an artificial one, but so that like an eco one, so that we're not having trees chopped down Mm. on our behalf. Although I do prefer a real tree, but that's another story. And it said it would be dispatched early December. So I thought that's okay, early December. Mm. But it arrived on the 23rd of November. Oh, wow. And what else am I going to do with it but put it up? I can't have like just a giant box in the middle of my tiny flat. So I'm actually quite enjoying it. It's it's like it's a sort of minimal one. It's not like a big fulsome one and it's got little lights on it already and it's got pretend snow. So it's very kitsch in one way, but in another way it's quite, you know, like a modern minimal version of the thing. 
Oh, you need to send me the link to the manufacturer. That sounds I will. really good. And I wonder what do you, what yeah. does one do about smell? It does. Yes, it doesn't smell, but I have candles that smell. Yeah, I wonder what, whether one can buy Christmas tree smell. You can buy. I was well. I was looking the other day because I was thinking, do I need a garland? So I was looking at natural garlands, and you can get garlands, um, you know, made of like dried oranges and pine cones and whatnot. And and I was thinking, yeah, that could be fun. But one of the places on Etsy also smells. It's called something funny like Christmas in a bottle or something. Oil that you drip onto these. Things. Oh, really? And I was thinking, mm, I wonder how how that works. Wow. How good that is. Because I was also thinking when I was really little, like tiny, I used to every year with my granny make, um, well, we called it potpourri, but it was like an orange. And then you put, re well, we put red velvet ribbon around. We were very traditional. And then you stab um, cloves oh, cloves. into it. I heard about that. Yeah, I've never and we done used it. to make them every year and they are really nice and it gradually dries over time. And I was considering doing that this year. That's very crafty. I know. And we all know I've got no talent in that direction. So they'll probably be no better than when I made them when I was four. But, you know, never mind. They might smell nice. That sounds very nice. I feel quite Christmassy now. Well, you know, have a go because you'll make a beautiful one. I'm not so I'm sure. sure. But um, I like the, the idea of the smell, how that will smell. Yeah, well, I, I've got some as you know i love scented candles so I, I haven't found one that's like perfect christmas i have bought ones in the past that were like frankincense and myrrh so smelt like churches mm. at christmas not that an atheist like me knows that <laughs> much about that but i've heard tell so that's quite a nice smell for christmas but yeah i would like a christmas tree smell if that's possible yeah okay we need to investigate. Yeah, we that's that's a little research project yeah. for us. Because because you don't want it smelling like cleaner because lots of like cleaning liquid, the pine needles, yeah. and I never like that. That's true. Yeah, no, you don't want that. We want the super luxury version. The yes. super luxury yet also eco and vegan version. Okay. It's not much to ask. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but we also what Yes, yeah. we also watched our film, Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. I don't quite know what to say. I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I didn't read until afterwards the little blurb on the Cinémathèque mm. Française about how it's part of a series of yes. films that I think they did monthly that were to foreground French fashion. So it made a lot more sense to me once I knew that's what it was about, because the story is barely there. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I mean, maybe mm. we should start with the weird plot. Yes. Well, not weird. It's just... Not fleshed out. Not fleshed out. And also, you have to dispense disbelief rather a lot. Yes. So that was interesting. Um... Well, I like the way... I liked how, from the start... It's emphasizing the idea of cities comprising completely different worlds. So I liked how you began with the whole city, and then I, I can't remember all the different places you see, but like the Champs Elysees, the Grand you Palais. The you yes. See, yeah. Yeah. So you see kind of luxy Paris, mm. and then you go up to like the allotments in Montmartre, 
and then you go to the what well, is it meant to be a brothel or is it just a tavern I think where... it's meant to be just a tavern oh yeah. okay I thought because she she was having to dance with the with yeah. men and stuff that that was implying something else yeah I wasn't sure about that but but that that's really interesting because that could be 19th century yes have you know not all the clothes but a lot of the clothes yeah the men that was really interesting yes they're cummerbund yeah affairs yeah were they still cummerbunds they were wider than cummerbunds yeah i don't quite know they're like the apache um apache, apache oh, yes. a bit. yeah so which which again seems incongruous yeah i didn't mm. and i i kept i kept looking at it and imagining that they would be red but I did. <laughs> mm, yeah. And their yeah. neckerchiefs and yeah. Oh, they have such good neckerchiefs. And and really great there's some great um Instagram accounts I follow that deal in sort of nineteenth and early twentieth century French workwear. Oh yeah. And it was mm. reminding me of those with the, the sort of stripes and checks and mm. dots of of each garment. But yeah, that's all rough and ready. So there's poor old Eugenie as she is at that point mm. who's, I like it that they say she's too delicate Yes, for this. the tavern mm. and I liked how she had like the archetypal Garrett where she of course yeah, yes where she was I think you get those in Paris even if you don't have an attic they just you know must transform one of the rooms into that yeah. because it's so obligatory mm. and I like that she does her sweet notes to her really horrible mother yeah she doesn't you just... know honestly I wouldn't have bothered I'd have just left yeah because <laughs> her mother's so nasty mm. and but it's interesting when like so Eugenie leaves and leaves her a sweet note for her mother and her mother comes out of the tavern reading it but then there seems to be an outdoor kitchen yeah that what's was, that I don't know I didn't understand that either that seemed to be the sort of the establishment next door oh okay I thought but uh I didn't quite understand that so either. that might be like a cafe the next next door that's just very open yeah or oh, it it did okay. say something about things to take away even, but maybe I didn't oh. read properly. So maybe it's like their kitchen, and then you can buy buy food to take. I don't know. Ah, but I, that I really don't know. That's just total speculation. What I thought was interesting when she's so Eugenie when when she's in the tavern, um, mm. she wears a blouse. I think a blouse and a skirt, and the blouse yes. is sort of looks a little bit. I mean, it doesn't look beautifully pressed and, and, and no but her, I thought her the suit she wears when she absconds and she doesn't seem to take anything at all she just runs no, away she doesn't. was looked very nice actually it was nice it had very nice huge buttons mm. and interesting like the collar was I would have liked to have buttoned them all up for us and then unbuttoned them for us yes because we just see it unbuttoned and, and I wasn't really quite sure how it would work done up completely but the but you get lovely collar lapel effect yeah and it has this sort of braid you often get on yes suits. i don't actually know what that's called i need to yes she she does have quite a nice outfit for a poor girl escaping mm. the march and i like the way it's made to seem as though she's just sort of somehow magically wandered into this completely other part of paris i mean yeah. i know it probably takes you like half an hour to walk there but I suppose it's like psychological that you stay in your area I don't know anyway but also to 
the Champs Elysees. I don't know. I just thought that was a bit weird to walk there to then have a rest on a yes. bench. Yes. Uh, yes, and I suppose it's because Dracol must have been on Champs yeah. the Champs Elysees, so mm. it was because of Dracol. But yes, and as you say, she has nothing with her. She has no plan. She yeah. she's not going to last long. But thankfully, Couture intervenes. Yes, and saves her. And the vendeurs from Dracol spots her, is kind enough to say, "Are you all right?" Yeah. And then when she's not all right, it says, just come and be a mannequin. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that that almost was a bit sinister, I thought. It was just a it bit was, there was There was kind of a procurement sort of edge to that, I have to yeah. say. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I thought, yeah, the vendeuse, I don't know, maybe I watched it in a weird state, uh, state of mind, but I kept thinking, she must be cold. She was, you know, whereas Eugenie yes. was in this woolen suit, the, von, the Vendeuse was in sort of several layers of very fine silk by the looks mm. of it, very um, elaborate with sort of silk roses and well, yeah, she, flimsy it doesn't outfit. Seem like, yes, very flimsy because it doesn't seem like it's a coat. It's, as you say, it's like silk roses, collar, and then just a wrap of pleated silk, which looks lovely but seems more like something you pull on your shoulders in the evening, mm. not to brave icy Paris yes and so then she's taken back and I thought the hair thing was really interesting that that mm. obviously her hair was just absolutely not acceptable and had to be changed straight away yes and I for a moment I thought oh maybe they will cut it but of course it's a bit yes I and... do but they just redress it so yeah. it's less wild yeah it's a bit more neat don't they mm. And 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 I like you know they've got the powder puff and but you don't see that you don't see the makeup being done. Mm. Um, but she's got quite Theda Bara style eyeshadow eye That's makeup true. anyway. Yeah. And then yes, and then she gets presented to the director. That that's quite interesting. As yeah, well. and he doesn't seem to be wildly. No, he's keen. not terribly impressed. No, really. <laughs> and and I mean she's not very good at walking. No, and she she looks well. At some point, even the intertitle or whatever it's called, it says she's very sad. She, yes. yes. Well, unsurprisingly, you know. But yeah, she's only just escaped. Yeah. Her mother's unsavory tavern. Mm. And yeah, and it's really. I mean, the most fascinating thing is what the you know I now know the point of the film is that you get to see inside Drekol. Yes. And that is amazing because it seems so huge and cavernous yes. and chaotic. And seeing the cabine with all the models in is really yes. great. Mm. It reminded me of, um, you remember we watched um, Au Bonheur des Dames yeah. a while ago. It reminded me of that when they go into the cabine with the with the mannequins. Yes. And it's such, it's such a, of that time situation that there's this group of mannequins just in there waiting for clients to come to show the clothes and that kind of mess of bodies and makeup and trimmings and clothes and things is really fascinating yeah and that you could see in the background the the wardrobes actually with things Mm. hanging hanging in them yes and this time they were all seemed to be quite nice, unlike. Yes, thankfully. Mm. Yes, because they were quite mean, as I remember. Yes. On Dame. 
Yeah, and it's interesting as well that, like, at first I didn't realize that one wall is a mirror. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I must well, have I, another look. it's like I suddenly mm. realized that things were doubled. Oh. That it was that it was much smaller than I thought it was. Mm. Um, and then I really loved seeing because it's not like a fashion show in the sense of a formal parade in a particular order. It's so chaotic the way. Yes, it's like the salon. And I think it is all filmed in the actual salon, Dracol's actual salon. I think don't, so. Don't I, I read somewhere that they had a, installed a whole cafe on the second floor. Wow. It sounds like it was a really big establishment. I mean, you get the sense of it being huge just from that corridor they keep meeting in and walking. Yeah. It's really long. And you have like the cabinets, which we've seen in other films as well, the glass cabinets that seem to have accessories in yes. to display. But then all these doors that must be all the different, you know, cabine, the cabine for the models, but also where women would try things on yes. and the different workrooms and la la. And yes, the huge salon where where they're showing the clothes. And I love how you get such a sense of what it would have actually been like, because I think we think of it too much in relation to fashion shows now, mm. because it's so chaotic. It's like this big room with chairs around the edges, isn't it? Yes. But there are people, clients coming in randomly at different times and they have no qualms about walking right through the models presenting the clothes yes. and pausing and chatting. But nor do the Vonders and the other people connected Employed. to the... Yeah, mm. they're just wandering around in the space. It's as though the models are just part of a melee of people in that space and they kind of are in their own realm twirling and posing and showing the clothes but yeah it, it was much more chaotic than I thought yeah and it seems like the clients have still have their street clothes on and they sit and then there seem to be the odd vendors behind the chairs mm. sort of sometimes pointing something out or chatting yes. and like yes. you say sometimes going away or coming back and yeah, that's yeah. I found that absolutely fascinating. Like you say, mm, it doesn't completely really... fascinating because it's like it's more like a street scene or something. It's yeah, it's so chaotic. And and yeah, as you say, I like I like how you see the the clients because it is as though it's as much a sort of social pastime to come and have a chat with your friend and look at the clothes as it is actively thinking I'm going to be focused and look at these things and choose something yeah it's it like a much pastime. more casual mm. and did the person who the person who brings the men in um she mm. brings a, a dog and then there's another dog I... <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine yeah. Coda? he'd be like charging around as fast as he could amongst all yeah. the models she has like a gigantic dog like a great day mm. size i don't think it is a great day but a mm. huge dog yeah yeah and 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 also it you know, the way that she's brought the painter, and I know this is part of the very flimsy part, plot, but he's not interested at all. No. he He's just there because she brought him. Mm. So it is like, it is, I like that kind of, you know, the, the sort of sense that if you're of a certain social class and you were bored on a Monday morning, you might just drop by a couture house and see what's going yes. on. Mm. <laughs> it, it makes it all so much less formal than you imagine it I think mm. 
and it, and it's really great seeing the clothes and you yeah. and that's there's so much focus on them which is lovely yeah so i what well, i like how they often yeah you see them in in the room sort of posing in front of the in front of the clients but then you get a focus on the clothes so they appear what mm. is that called when they shadow out the rest maybe masking I don't know, I going or to something ask you. probably masking yeah so you just then the room disappears and you just you you get the sort of black around just the model so you can really mm. concentrate on on the clothes and she and that's i don't know that is always her isn't it that is always Eugenie, oh, is it always who is, her? I'm not sure, maybe not, but I think a lot of the time it's her who who is now called Nicole. Yes, of course, she's been reborn. <laughs> yes, as a model. Yeah, and th there were just so many clothes as well. I mean, if I you, know. If you think about a collection now, there seem to be quite a lot more. Mm, I mean, mm, some definitely. were quite. There were a lot of similarities, I guess. Yes, but interesting to see that transitional silhouette where you've still got the longer length from from the late teens mm. and that kind of tube that it's sort of tubular but it's fuller in the middle somehow um silhouette and also the layers that you've got there but you can see the kind of like the haute 20s silhouette it's starting to emerge yeah. by 23 quite a lot of diagonals Yes, felt. sort of yeah. asymmetry and diagonals, mm. definitely. And also layers, like strange, they, they seem to love a reveal. So so having yes. like an amazing wrap that's very voluminous and amazing in its own right, but then the reveal of the dress beneath and then the reveal of the back of the dress. Because you sort of get a sense as well of how that would work in, in these women's real life, life. of... of arriving in your dramatic evening wrap and then being seen from the front as you take that off but then you'd be seen by most people from the back so you need the back of your dress to be good too yeah and I liked I like that because I always think it's disappointing when you see like red carpet dresses or something and then they turn around and it's like a, a not especially well put in zip or something and you think couldn't you have made some effort yeah. with the back there look at some early 20th century clothes and learn about backs backs and I like how when they do it in the salon, how they they always let the wrap sort of half drop to the floor. I suspect yes. you wouldn't do that in real life, but it's no, they're always but just it's let very it sort of, dramatic. Yeah, they let it sort of glide down and then they yes. pensively sort of look somewhere. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What I found most so amazing fun. is is there was there's one outfit and I think you see it a few times, which is seems to be like a completely diaphanous fabric but with a big um sort of band of fur heavy fur yes at the bottom yeah yes that would have been so weird to wear it would have really because it because that's one of these wrap affairs yeah. isn't it mm. and it it would be so weird to wear something you feel it wouldn't last very long no because I suppose that didn't matter. They were wearing different things all the time. But to have such heavy fur on such a thin, yeah. sheer material, you can see how it's being pulled. Mm. But but it's almost like it's just, it's like a sweetie wrapper, isn't it? You know, the way you get on, I don't know, I'm thinking of like Quality Street <laughs> level of sweets, but which is very insulting to Drekel. But, but just the way that you get like a coloured foil and then you get a, 
crinkly, clear. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like sweeties that it's because I've actually been thinking about the idea of effects a lot with what I'm writing for chapter five right now. And I was thinking this is all about effect, isn't it? It's all about the way it doesn't it's almost more like costume some of the outer layers of these clothes. Yeah, and it's a lot about ability to handle them. Yes, that's true. Yeah, that's or, really... or also opportunity to show your yes. ability to handle handle them. Or handle is not the right word. That, but No, but that's mm. such a good point. Because it's like, I was always fascinated, you know, when we did our, you know, classical dress and ancient dress yes. section at, when all those years ago. Yes. And I was always fascinated by the idea that, that a, t a real toga is just essentially a blanket and that the point is that you have enough understanding of how to manage a large amount of fabric on your body to not end up naked. Yeah. And that it's all about draping it around you in an artful manner and being able to move in an artful manner. Mm. For men, this was, yeah. of course. Um And it's the same principle, essentially, isn't it? That it's just managing an enormous amount of layers and fabric mm. and things moving around your body, but being able to keep them all under control and then in a very controlled, elegant way, remove them yeah. at strate strategic moments and present them. Mm. The other thing I find interesting is when the mother comes to visit her. Yes. That's almost because she a writes bit another cruel. sweet note. She writes another sweet note, but the mother is sort of made fun of a bit. I, I know think. that's like she's not a nice woman, mm. but there's no need to be mean to her for being working class. Yeah, yeah. And they really are. Yeah. No, because the doorman follows her. It's like she's yes. a criminal. Mm. And there's stuff about her use she that she should have used to service entrance. Yeah, and also then how director doesn't sack Nicole or Eugenie but says mm. you know make sure your relatives don't come here yes exactly exactly that all of that world that must have been the world of most of the models has to be completely repressed and kept contained in Montmartre and other less wealthy areas mm. what do you think I was wondering Do you think Nicole is meant to be a more is meant to be a more modern name than Eugenie? Yeah, I don't know. I I really didn't understand that. Maybe, yeah, that could you know, because be... I wasn't sure if it was just the fact that now the Couture House kind of owns you, so we now rename you in our image, or if there was a significance that I don't know of what those two names meant in France in the early twenties. Yeah, that's a really good point. It could it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Or may more unusual maybe as well. Yeah, maybe. Mm. I mean, I have to say the painter doesn't really get much of much to do other than I mean, it's a bit it's a bit horrible as well the way he moons around the waiting entrance. for the models to Yeah. I know. But then it reminded me that there is a in the diaries of Duff Cooper he does that with Lucille. Oh really? Yeah, oh, there is this God. this this passage which where he goes to Lucille and he sees, you know, a beautiful model and he actually says he and a friend he, he says himself we we were really horrible. We tried all sorts of things to try and find out where we, you know, can find her and it doesn't work thankfully. And then he sees her again and it's 
Hebe or Hebe, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, there's a sort of picture of her on the National Portrait Gallery website, and he sees her again in Paris, and he says, he says it's some she's the most beautiful woman in the entire world I've ever seen. But he he does actually sort of hang around to ogle the models oh, by the sounds of it. Because it's like, you know, in the 21st century, I hope everyone understands no means no. Yeah. It doesn't mean keep thinking of new ways to persist mm. and pester and basically stalk a woman. Yeah. Because did... when you think about it, that's the premise of a lot of films. Yeah, and it did seem very like that in this film. It really does. And it's another case, as with so many of the films we've discussed, of a rather mediocre man mm. going after a beautiful woman. Mm. I mean, I know we're meant to think, oh, la la, this is lovely, because then he takes her to Claridge and they have yes. tea. Yeah. And that's quite funny as well, because that's another incredible kind of mob scene that you're meant to think, oh, how refined and lovely. But to me, I just thought, oh, my God, how could you drink your tea with this in, you know, massive crowd of people clomping around the dance floor? It looked very funny and squashed. And it's also it's one of those instances. It happens a few times in the film, actually, where you can see that people were fully aware they were filmed and actually stare yes, right into true. the camera. Yes, Mm. Can you hear Coda going? Yes. Around? Yes. Yes. He doesn't like it that I shut the door so he can't get into. Because oh. I wanted to be quiet to talk to you. <laughs> but yeah. clearly, that's rude of me. Um, no, exactly. It's very interesting because it does it does kind of cross between between like amateur film. Not I don't mean this against the director, but but exactly what you're saying that you have people in the background of shots who are just going about their daily business and then suspiciously thinking, what's that person with the giant movie camera doing? Mm. But yeah, the, it's so funny because they're so squashed. I can't remember what the film was we watched where they're in a small club and the the, the dancers are literally crashing into the people oh, drinking. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, I but do. Mm. It was another and one from the cinema Kiki de Montparnasse. Yes, in exactly. It. But I still can't remember which one. It was it is. one That's that terrible. it was from the Cinematheque Francaise mm. as well, I'm sure. Mm. But yeah, in this case, and then how mad! I wasn't sure are they meant to be like Irene and Vernon Castle, the couple who are dancing. God, I'd for, I'd momentarily forgotten about that very bizarre thing at the end. Well, it's so bizarre. It's like another film enters this film and tries to. Well, it does essentially take over because you're you're thinking now we're going to focus on the love story between the painter and the model. But then you go to the cup. So first you have the everyone dancing. Then they clearly have performers. And so there's a couple dancing and doing very extravagant kicks and yeah, flings and acrobatic, whatnot. acrobatic, yeah. Yes, and she's got her lovely bouncy tiered kind of more... First World War style, Robe de Steel-esque dress on. But then you go as though you're just seeing them in a in a, in a a dark room and there's bits of slow-mo and then real speed. Yes. And, and they, they seem to perform, so they start performing in the in Claridge's with all the people mm. around. And then when you see them in this in this other world... At some point, you realize, oh, they're doing the same routine they've just yes. done, and they're just doing it again. And it, yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> it's so bonkers, and it, I mean, it's really enjoyable yes. seeing them in slow motion. It's really amazing seeing their moves and seeing how they're 
the woman's dress bounces around and gets flung around but it makes no sense but then nor does nor does the focus where you're suddenly studying the dress and seeing that in great detail so it it is a film about acknowledging looking and acknowledging how you look at things and you focus in on things yeah. and kind of facilitating and guiding that. But yes, and then you just get an intertitle about how, oh, I don't know, that she's been introduced to the different parts of Paris or the different worlds of Paris or something, and she and the painter are looking out of his studio window and it's all yeah the end. Mm. It's quite a journey, though. It is quite a journey. And I, what I didn't quite get is... Um... I should have put it through Google Translate because I'm not entirely sure I un totally understood what it said on the website. But I, it sounded like it was conceived as a monthly series. Yes. And, um, and I, from what I gather, the director had shot two films, although I wasn't before, but I wasn't sure whether they had been part of the series. I and, think they had. And then... Which I don't. For, I looked to try and find one, and I have a feeling maybe they they haven't su survived. But I might be right. wrong. But I I then didn't quite understand. Did that ever make a, a longer series? Are there more of these? Um, yeah. No, I didn't. I wasn't sure. I haven't had time to look mm. really. I mean, this was done for the Jean Paul Gaultier season. At yes, um, this was restored for that. Which I wish we could go to. Yeah, we me would too. Have gone to. That would have mm. been amazing. Um. But I liked it. It's sort of interesting as a different way of approaching showing fashion. Because if you think of like the British, is it, it's Eve something or other, isn't oh, yes. it? That they have, mm. That's much more like a newsreel in its presentation. It's sort of interesting to, to think of the two together, of the kind of more chatty, magazine-y newsreel approach of Eve's. Mm. I can't think what it's called, Eve's... No, I can't. I don't know, but it's Eve something or other. I think it's on Pathé, maybe. I don't know. Yes. But anyway, that format versus this, which is taking you into a narrative, however slim, and just about drinking in fashion details and clothing and movement. Mm. So it's just about that as the kind of visual consumption and visual seduction. Yeah. And you wonder who the target market is because, you know, this the, the recall stuff would have been fiendishly expensive. It would. It would. I mean, because you would think the people seeing this would have, it would have been way out of there. Mm. So, so, so you can see the appeal for them that it's like dreaming and seeing something you wouldn't otherwise. But I, for Dracol, is it just the kudos of having a film made in your house of yeah. being modern and in i think in the text if i understood correctly there was something also about it um showcasing parisian fashion abroad but i again i might have misunderstood oh, that's and then, interesting and then also practically i don't know how that would have worked but you that's know? really interesting because firstly dracol is an austrian house and this is the parisian branch isn't it I, I never understood it. I can send you a link to an article where they try and disentangle it. Um, right. But I think this this had the name, but it was actually run by someone else. And I I have a feeling it was run at this point by by Maggie Roof. But but no, she... I think you're right. But I mm. thought it was like I thought there was Dreckel, the original one in Austria in Vienna, mm. and then they opened a branch in Paris that was never run by 
the original mm. Dracol people, but was like a franchise almost, mm. run by Maggie Roof's parents. parents. Mm. And then I think by this point, maybe Maggie Roof is the main designer. Yeah, I, I think don't know. So. Mm. Um, but going back to the, that's a really interesting point because I don't know about this kind of film. But I know with newsreels, they were sent out internationally because obviously you just swapped out the intertitles. Mm. Yeah, if you just swapped out the intertitles, you could show it anywhere. So maybe that potentially would be seen as worthwhile marketing for Dracol. Mm. And Paris. And Paris. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. But it's really good. And it's it's such a mad, it's so mad, but it's really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. If you love fashion and spotting small dogs and big dogs, yeah, visiting couture houses. No, it is it is fascinating. It really is. Well, I think we need to find out more about whether there were there's a how whole many Dracols there were and yes, yeah. how, what's the what's the situation with Dracol? I think you're right. And then how many of these films? Yes. Okay, that's our homework. Yes. All right, I'll speak to you next week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.